Welcome to the Human Centered Leadership Podcast with me, your host, Kulmahe. I have worked in the leadership space for three decades, and now I work with organizations and leaders to develop powerful cultures of high value and performance that is built all around their people. We will interview leaders from around the world and at the very top end of their game to explore what emotional intelligence in practice actually looks like and the benefits that it could bring to any team. This is a movement to transform the way that we see leadership and to create powerful cultures where people feel seen, heard, valued and appreciated and consequently perform to the very best. Why don't you join the movement and subscribe to our podcast and don't forget to click on notifications to stay up to date with all new content. Welcome to another episode where I get to speak to incredible people from around the planet. And today I've jumped on a, the virtual plane and I'm halfway across the world, all the way down in New Zealand. And I'm talking to Melissa Crawford today. Melissa is, oh, she's fascinating because she is like me, an EQ expert. Well, I never call myself an expert. I'm more of a specialist because you're all, we're always growing, right? But she is an EQ specialist, but she's also got to 25 years of experience in technology, human psychology, and how she's blended the two together is just absolutely fascinating. So we're going to get into that. Melissa, thank you so much for joining us all the way from New Zealand. I think it's something like 9pm where you are. Yes, it's half past nine and ahead. So I can tell you from the future that it's going to be a great, <laughs> great evening for you. <laughs> Yeah. Are there any significant world events in the future that we need to be aware of? Oh, don't want to scare you. Don't want to scare you. I'll let you let you experience them as they come. Yeah. Time travel. It sort of it feels like the Terminator. You know, you're talking about the future, the past, and uh, and it's actually it's really useful for the discussion that we've got today, Melissa. I mean. You've got like, you know, we jumped on a quick call. You blew my mind straight away, like 25 years experience in human psychology. You've got two degrees in technology and you blend the two together and you've got clients all around the world. So tell me, first and foremost, we sort of asked ourselves a question. How did you get into EQ? How did I get into EQ? And that was the last question that you asked me just before we went live. So let me ask mine for answer your question first. So Emotional intelligence for me is, uh, I think, something that I've always practiced. Yesterday, I got interviewed by a, a newspaper on my journey in the police service. I joined the police service, Melissa, in the UK police service back in 1983. Uh, and this year, I actually celebrated 40 years ago, you know, a couple of weeks ago, no, about a month ago, it was 40 years since I joined the police service. I became a leader for the first time in the police service back in 1993. And very, very quickly, I realized the best way for me to get the best out of my staff was to treat them like human beings and to and to be much more transformational rather than transactional in my leadership style. And I guess that I'm an introvert through and through, have been for a long, long time. And the best way that I connect with people is by building relationships. And that's what I did with my teams. And I followed that style of leadership through right up to the very end day. And I'm still passionate about you know, that kind of a leadership because I think that's where we operate at our very best and so do other people. So I didn't realise it was called emotional intelligence back then because, of course, EI wasn't really that popular, although Daniel Goleman sort of popularised it in the 1980s. It wasn't that well known. And I think it's taken me this long to understand exactly what it is that I was doing. But now that I know it in much greater depth, 
I sort of uh, test myself against it and test other people against it and help them to develop around EQ. So hopefully those are the two key questions that you had burning in your mind. How did I get into EQ and why have I got police badges in, my, in the background? Yeah, that's fantastic. And I mean, that was actually quite, uh, you might not have realized it at the time, but that was very future focused. So, uh, you know, all the research and things I've been doing um, specifically in the last decade has been really leaning towards how EQ is really the the key skill of the future. So uh, you're already ahead on that game. It's so great to talk to somebody who also understands EQ uh, and appreciates it as I do. I'm forever saying to people, I think EQ is a future. I think there are new sort of uh, superpowers that we need to be, leadership superpowers that we need to be aware of. And for me, they are empathy. They are about relationship building, trust building. These are the new superpowers that we need to really, really get our heads around if we're going to be uh, great leaders in a post-COVID world. What do you think uh, you would add to that in terms of other superpowers or why do you think these would be the superpowers? Uh, So definitely EQ, the human side, and the other aspect of that would be growth mindset. So people who are learning curious and are interested. So, you know, if they have a differing opinion to somebody else, they're actually interested to kind of follow that through and say, oh, that's really interesting. I'd love to hear what shaped that, that thinking for you. So they kind of dig deeper. Uh, and, and I often, you can often test it. Like if I hear a word that I've never come across before, I straight away go and look up that word. Or if I, you know, somebody talks about a particular concept, I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. Let me find out a bit more. So I'm always digging deeper, digging deeper. I think you spot those kind of characteristics in, in people that have a growth mindset so that it doesn't go past them. They're like, oh, there's an opportunity to learn there, which is really connected quite nicely to the EQ stuff where you're really genuinely interested in learning more about other people and understanding, you know, how they've come to be, um, as well as understanding, obviously, yourself a little bit better as well. Do you know what? You're making me smile there, Melissa, because uh, my wife has a nickname for me, and my nickname is Culpedia. Rather than Wikipedia, it's Culpedia. And, and, and she's now got used to it, but she used to get really, really frustrated. If we're watching any kind of a TV program, uh, particularly one that's based on reality, I, every five or ten minutes, I'm literally just Googling something because yes. I want to hear uh, know more about it. So, you know, one of our favourite programmes is The Crown. We're, we're both royal uh, royalty mad, uh, my wife and I. So anything to do with the royal family, we're all over it. Uh, so, of course, with The Crown... It was based upon true events. Some of those were a bit sensationalized, but I had to be checking it. Every five minutes I'd be checking, <laughs> oh, did this really happen? Did this really happen? So yeah, that growth mindset, I think I think it's so, so powerful. It helps. I think it keeps you young as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and the other element, you know, we uh, before we kind of came online, we talked a little bit about AI. I think if you have that growth mindset, you also will start to question things. So I remember hearing about this really interesting study where they had put some false content up on the internet about tree octopus with okay. you know, great pictures of, of these octopus in the trees and lots of information about it and everything looked credible. And the whole point of it was that they would run these activities with kids at school um, and get, you know, they would kind of come across, across this through their activities and they were trying to build the, the skills in the kids for them to question what they saw. So rather than just taking it at face value, saying, oh, well, yeah, there's a picture of one in the tree, so there must be tree octopus, and it looks like a credible couple of websites, so 
boom, yes, they're a tree octopus. It was trying to get kids curious to actually dig deeper, which I think is really important with social media and really important with, um, you know, kind of the, the false information that you, you start to see coming out. So, and that's a bit of that kind of growth mindset, learning curiosity as well. Uh, and of course, you know, there is a lot of false information out there. And of, obviously from being in a policing background, one of the things I do all the time is due diligence. You know, if I connect with somebody on LinkedIn, I want to know more about that person and and so forth and so on. And I don't find that so unusual, but it's amazing how many people are easily persuaded to have a point of view based on very little else other than yeah. somebody else has said it on the internet somewhere. And I think we saw this an awful lot with the whole COVID experience. You know, whether you were uh, for vaccines or against vaccines, uh, vaccines or post, uh, you know, uh, for lockdowns or against lockdowns, we saw this incredible divide in humanity, in in psychology, in thinking, in views that people were holding, and it was all driven largely by social media. Uh, I just found it fascinating how quickly people can segregate themselves. And you know, I had close friends who held such a polar opposite view to me. And yet these were friends who I thought I really, really knew. So social media has a real incredible power to form, help us form our opinions, don't you think? Definitely. But again, it's about the individual being open. I'm open to someone changing my viewpoints on something. I don't have a fixed mindset that's kind of, this is it, this is the way. And, you know, I will happily have a conversation with somebody who's got more expertise in an area or, you know, bring something to light that I know is credible. And I love being able to say, wow, I hadn't thought of it from that perspective or wow, that's a new piece of information that's really helpful. Thank you. That gives me better context. To me, that's great to hear to to hear different viewpoints and to, and, and to understand. And in some of those kind of examples, people it's really down to that human behavior it's a bit like you know people will often stick to a certain groups of people that are like themselves or they will you know with the, with those searching on COVID for example I bet you they came across some other things that had differing opinions and I bet you they kept going past them and they're looking for the ones that validate that validate yeah I think people get into this really focal vision where they lose their spatial awareness you know and uh, so even if you come across a really really credible article that actually challenges your viewpoint you're going to flick past it and uh, and you're going to look for things that validate your perspective. And that is the fixed mindset, you know. Um, Simon Sinek has got a really good book out, and I'm trying to remember the name of this book. I think it's called The Infinite Mind or something like that. But he talks about the finite mindset and the infinite mindset in the context of leadership. And I love Simon Sinek's uh, work. But uh, very similar to growth mindset, fixed mindset, he describes the infinite, uh, the, the finite mind as the mindset that most people have. So in essence, what you do in life, you will put a winning post somewhere in your life and say, you know, that I'm heading for that winning post. Uh, and that is my singular goal throughout my entire life. So I'm going to be very intentional about the actions that I take. I'm going to get to that winning post. And, and Simon Sinek challenges this and he says, well, OK, let's assume that that's what you're going to do. And you get to your winning post. What happens after you get got to your winning post? Nothing. He says, so what do you do? And that is a finite mindset. You get to a winning post and then you stop growing. And, you know, my own view is if you're not, if you're not growing, you're dying. Uh, if you're not living, you're dying all the time. So, 
So he says, you know, where we need to be is having that infinite mindset where you're constantly evolving. You're, you're, you're on this journey of constant improvement wherever you go, whether that's by one degree, one centimeter, whatever it might be, you're constantly growing every single day, which is sort of what you're describing as well. Yeah, I'm so passionate about that. And I, I love to find people who think differently than me or who have different skill sets than me and get their viewpoints on things because, yeah, to me, that's kind of the point and and I guess that's the humanity or the, the people part of what I do in my work I'm so passionate about what are opportunities to bring the best out um, out of people and yeah we just have so much to learn from each other well, absolutely uh, and, and within that though there are challenges aren't there and uh, you know this is not to say that EQ, emotional intelligence, is an easy leadership attribute to, to, to aspire towards. Actually, it can, it can be really challenging because if we are trying to follow a mindset where we put the people first, you know, we are very human-centered in our leadership approach, we also then have to deal with all the complexities because if there's one thing that I know that human beings are, it's complex. And, you know, we, we talk about diversity as if it's a compartmentalized uh, sort of uh, um, uh, issue. But for me, diversity is intrinsic in everything that we do. And, and at, a very, at a very base level, diversity is about understanding that every single human being will be different. There are no two human beings who are identical in the way they think, the way they behave, the way they look, etc., etc. So we have to embrace the complexities. And it's those complexities that make us, you know, can make the journey quite a beautiful journey, right? Yeah. People often say to me, oh, what, what do you find more complicated, you know, the, the people side of things or the technology side of things? So I'm just like, hands down, it is the people side of things. Because, yeah, as you said, there's such complexity to their backgrounds, their experiences, their beliefs, their values, etc. But that's kind of the interesting stuff for me. So, yeah, I think that it's not something that you'll go, right, I've nailed that. And as we were talking before, EQ is used as a blanket term, but there's so many different components that make up EQ. But I think that that's actually, that's actually the exciting part of it is that there are things that if people, sometimes people say, oh, I've got low EQ or I've got high EQ. That's kind of, you know, there's a lot of layers to that. So if you understand the different elements, then you can start to work on those different elements. And it's a bit like going to the gym. It's like a muscle. You need to you know, keep developing that muscle and use, using it regularly. Do you know what, Melissa? I can always tell when I'm talking to somebody who, who is an EQ specialist as opposed to somebody who just says they're interested in EQ because a conversation around emotional intelligence just so all of a sudden just goes about five or six layers deeper. And you're so, so right. I mean, we both work with different modeling tools around EQ, but I think we both accept that EQ has to be seen as a very granular activity. I've had clients who have scored fairly high in terms of their EQ, generally speaking. But when I start looking at the 26 competency areas, I actually hold that EQ up. Uh, um, I will see that one or two competencies are extremely low. Maybe it's their interpersonal skills. Maybe it's their self-awareness. Maybe it's the the ability to have, it's their level of self-esteem, their personal power, as we call it. So EQ is not just a blanket thing. And, 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 and I think we need to be mindful that we don't get phased just by somebody saying, I've got high empathy. 
that in itself is a superpower. But if you're not utilizing it because other areas of your EQ aren't matching up or you're not working on other areas of your EQ, then then as you show up in the world, you're not perhaps going to be making the most of your potential. EQ is the stuff that makes us separate. So when we're talking about the technology side of things, technology will absolutely whip us on some of the black and white stuff on the you know the the knowledge holding and the data analytics etc but it's the human side of the eq side that it's not which is why i say you know developing that and think you know as you started to develop it years ago was forward thinking because if you look left brain right brain the right brain elements are really going to come into their own now compared to the left side, which has traditionally been your kind of high-level roles, technologies coming for them. I think you're absolutely right. So, you know, we've heard an awful lot of talk, haven't we, recently around AI, artificial intelligence. And, you know, um, I've certainly been looking at this and and, and researching this. So we've got things like uh, uh, OpenAI, we've got things like ChatGPT, and I've seen adverts now for other AI bots out there that we can start using. There was a, I was talking to uh, a person who's pure IT. He wasn't like you in terms of pure IT plus the people side of things, the, you know, the people psychology kind of things. So he was saying, Cole, I think that uh, people like you will be redundant. You'll be extinct in the next five years. Your jobs will disappear, um, you know, because AI can learn to be you, can th- learn to think like you, can coach people like you, can deliver your leadership module programs like you do in your voice, in your style. And therefore, I think that you're going to be made redundant. I, I took a bit of a step back because I believe, as you've just alluded to, that if you remain conscious in the world and you understand what EQ is all about, I genuinely don't believe that a, a computer or technology can can emulate you or emulate anyone in terms of the ability to have high levels of EQ. It can seem like it, but if we have that growth mindset or that infinite mind, then surely we're constantly evolving. So we're always going to be one step ahead. And therefore, the computer will always be one step behind. What is your view around the, uh, the, you know, the proliferation, if you like, of AI and how it impacts on human behavior and whether you believe it will make human beings extinct, you know, inverted commas, extinct uh, uh, as a as a free thinking society? Yeah. so, So my take on AI is that it will be used to kind of augment, so to kind of add value. So, yes, it will do some things that we will be probably quite surprised about. I mean, ChatGPT is a great example because already it's blowing people's minds around, oh, wow, I didn't think it could do that. Wow, I didn't think it could do that. Um, So, for example, the element of some variations now that are doing some things in the artistic space is really starting to challenge people because they thought, oh, computers might do the black and white logical stuff, but they won't do the artistic stuff. And now you're starting to see some, I mean, there's a a, a rapper who's a, an AI, it's actually an AI, it's not a real person, and they have a record contract with a, a record company. And there are, you know, artists making great, great money out of AI generated uh, pieces, etc. But there's, there's still the human element in that I might have a terrible boss, who got into their leadership role, actually came up for their subject matter expertise, not for their humanity, not for their EQ, not for, you know, 
real leadership capabilities, in which case AI generated uh, kind of coach format for uh, as a, a support element for my boss might be fantastic because my boss might not have those skills and this supplements it. But if I have a fantastic boss that does care about me as an individual, does care about my development, does care about my whole self and not just what I bring to work, etc., then that's going to win hands down. So it's really just a matter of augmenting or supplementing uh, where there are some gaps, just like the chat GPT, where um, in some cases there are people who aren't very good at articulating themselves in the written form. And so for them, you know, they put their, they're still putting input in, they're putting what they kind of want to talk about, but it's helping shape it and give it some structure. Um, just like people use Spellcheck or Grammarly or those tools to kind of help help support their writing already. So I just kind of see that as a, a, a bit of a next step. Yeah, I mean, that's that's certainly how I see it. So the, the way I look at AI is, okay, so I've talked about me being called Coolpedia by my wife. So what am I doing? I'm typing something into a search engine to find out more information about a certain person or a certain issue. And so I'm increasing my level of awareness. And I have used ChatGPT. I've, uh, I've, I've experimented with it. I've asked it to write me a newsletter or, you know, a, a LinkedIn post as opposed to a Facebook post. And it is incredible, you know. Uh, but when you – I think it's important for you the human being to read that back and then still tweak it because it will never be completely you. For me to make it much more connectable, relatable uh, and human, I have to still add my stories within that because that's how we, I think that's what separates us as human beings. We, we connect through stories. We learn through stories. And I think that's very, very important. And as, as in phenomenal as uh, AI is, and of course, you know, in years to come, it's going to get even better. Uh, it's only ever going to be a tool. And I think we, we, we can't allow ourselves to get sucked up into it and give into it in, in so much as allow it to dictate the pace and the, the direction of life that we choose to follow. Yeah, but I think of it as how can you use it as like an assistant, you know, like as something that can help you in your, you know, so I've looked at my task list before and gone, oh, actually, I'm going to um, chuck some stuff into ChatGPT and get it to uh, to go through that. And it gives me a first draft and I'm kind of away or, or I've put in my first draft, it's polished it and I've gone, actually, that's great. And so I'm like, great, ticked off my list. It's not that I didn't create any of it. I've created probably 80% of it, but it's just done the little polishing for me. But it's sped up the task quite a bit because maybe I don't have somebody right next to me to say, okay, hey, can you have a look at this? It's kind of almost a, a, a bit of a version of that. But if, if I have a low vocab and suddenly I publish something and every word is a five-syllable word, people are going to know that that doesn't that that doesn't match you. You can lose the authenticity in it very quickly, can't you? And if it spits something out, you've still got to have the nous to be able to to read it and say, "Oh, that's funny. It's gone a little bit off track there. That's not actually accurate." So you've still got to have the knowledge to say, "Okay, it's it's kind of eighty percent right, but actually this is completely not true. I don't know where it found that out. I'm going to get rid of that and I'll, I'm going to sort that out." Whereas if you were completely relying on it for everything then you're going to probably get caught out at some point because it's it's going to find the loophole where you ha- you don't actually have the knowledge to, to, to see what you've um, produced. I think what it's identified for us also is that uh, 
human beings, generally speaking, are quite tuned into what they feel is authentic and what they isn't, what they feel is not authentic. And certainly in the post-COVID world, I think something happened to us as a society during lockdowns. I think something quite significant happened to us. Um, I think we recalibrated our priorities. We started seeing the world in a slightly different way. Uh, we saw divisions in the world. And I think we've come out of that um, almost blinking in the, the daylight of this brand new world because things have changed. The way that we talk has changed, the way that we behave, the way that we do work, the relationships that we build, the way that we socialize. A lot has changed. And, and a lot of people are saying, hey, we're going to go back to 2023. We're going to go back to how we were. No, we're not because I don't think that world is still there anymore. I think it's changed. And I think one of the things is that we are looking for authenticity. And a, a, a key lesson, I think, for leaders is that authenticity is powerful. And if you are going to be a good leader and you need to build, therefore you need to build trust with the people who are you're working with. And if you're going to build trust, then you have to demonstrate transparency and vulnerability. And so all of these are like my, my new super strengths, vulnerability, authenticity, trust. So what are you finding in the tech space uh, that leaders are doing? Do you, do, you, do you see people having changed in, a, in any way, shape or form? Or do you think some people are just blindly going on as they used to do? I think there's a mixture. I mean, one of the things that triggered from what you were just talking about with COVID was that I think that the lesson, the one of the lessons that the world saw, which was absolutely in our face during those lockdowns particularly, was how important connection is, human connection, because we all had never experienced to that extent not being able to see your family members or your friends or, um, you know, separated in ways we hadn't ever kind of expected. So what I'm surprised about is some people have just moved forward and forgotten that lesson. And I see opportunities for us to really think back to how a torch was shone on that and said that actually, you know, they talk about, there was a, a piece of research that came out that said that Maslow's hierarchy of needs where you had, you know, your food and water and stuff at the base, they were saying that actually one of the things that needed to be added to that base now was connection, human connection, because uh, it's it's just as important to us. I often talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and, uh, and my take on it is that, you know, Many of us, even the most successful of us, we might have been right at the very top in terms of self-actualization. Our, our jobs were just where they needed to be. We had the perfect family or groups of people around us. People recognized us and served our ego, if you like. Everything was where it needed to be. And maybe I was now looking at what charity do I need to do? Or maybe I need to take up playing the guitar or, or go touring around the world in terms of whatever self-actualization means to you. But I think when COVID occurred, everybody came tumbling right back down to the very basic of physiological needs. And that's why people went crazy, you know, running out there, buying toilet rolls and bleach and, and, and clearing supermarket shelves, right? So I think we've all been now crawling ourselves back up the whole hierarchy of needs. And I don't think many people are quite there at the moment. So I think we've got a journey to go on yet. But I think we should take comfort from that lesson from those COVID times that when you look at technology, I look at it with that lens that yes, there'll be some great technology and yes, it'll create some opportunities where there's some gaps and uh, make some efficiencies, but it can never replace human connection. And that's where we need to step up. Absolutely, 100%. And a great way to, 
to close this down, but I do need to ask you one question. I can't speak to somebody from New Zealand, uh, halfway across the world from the UK, uh, without asking them about their views on Jacinda Ardern stepping down as Prime Minister of New Zealand. Uh, a powerful move uh, by a lady who lives by her own rules uh, and breaks with tradition. W- w- what are your thoughts about Jacinda Ardern stepping down as Prime Minister? Wow. So, yes, there's, there's lots of different views. I will give you my viewpoint is I think she did an incredible job during an extremely difficult time. And... Uh, she also had a lot going against her. So she had some very different, difficult experiences during that time. She was obviously, she was a new mother. She got a lot of slack from, uh, you know, people trying to kind of knock her down. But one of the things that I really rate about her was uh, she used to talk about how countries and their metrics, kindness should be in their metrics. So that gives you a bit of an indication to her kind of value system. And I greatly appreciated that. And I think good on her for stepping down, actually, because we kind of needed some fresh thinking to come in because she's been through a really rough period. I think it was brave that she uh, she did that and uh, she was doing it for the betterment of the country to say it's time to pass this over to somebody who's got some fresh legs, so to speak. Um, but I think she certainly did us proud, especially in those early days of COVID. Yeah, I think I, I can't disagree with you at all, Melissa. It's been wonderful speaking to you. I think uh, Jacinda Ardern is a shining example of what uh, emotional intelligence in, in leadership can look like. I think during those COVID times internationally, she added balance to the global leadership picture. On the one hand, we had very uh, we had uh, very coercive leaders like Donald Trump, and I think uh, other people look to people like Jacinda Ardern to add balance to the to that whole uh, concept of emotional intelligence. And she's done, she's proved that you can still be an emotionally intelligent leader and still deal with the biggest crises that any one leader can can, can deal with. Uh, so I wish her all the best of luck. I want to th- say thank you to you, Melissa, for sharing time with us on uh, today's program. And I look forward to connecting with you very soon. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please do subscribe and click on notifications for new content. And of course, connect with me on LinkedIn. Take care. Have a great day.